Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to join us. Hopefully, you will find the next few minutes challenging and refreshing as we consider together how God is asking us to respond to His grace. If you are listening because you are unable to join us at our physical location, thank you for keeping in step with us, and we will look forward to seeing you in person next Sunday. If you are joining us from outside of Anchorage, then please drop us a line and let us know where you are listening in from. We would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you are exploring faith for the first time or just trying to figure out what Awaken is about, please don't hesitate to drop us a line and introduce yourself. We welcome any question you might have about life, the Christian faith, or Awaken Church. May God be with you as you listen. Hey, good morning, Awaken Church. It is awesome to have you guys join us this morning. Um, We are finishing today a series uh, called um, Genesis... Uh, creation, the flood, and the patriarchs. And so we've just been walking through this book of Genesis and we are to the last section of the book uh, where we see the stories of Jacob and Joseph. So to introduce this, I'm just going to ask you if you've ever seen a a wrestling match, maybe like an MMA uh, wrestling match, mixed martial arts uh, competition where uh, one of the rules is if you if you don't knock out your opponent, one of the rules is is that you can tap out. So if your opponent gets you in some sort of chokehold, some sort of uh, very painful situation uh, where you're you know you're still conscious, uh, you can tap out. And the referee who uh, is uh, watching over the uh, the match uh, will you know blow his whistle. Uh, not really, but he'll he'll call the match and it's over. And uh, it's, it's clear that this person has surrendered uh, in this situation. And so uh, one of the questions that the stories of Jacob and Joseph uh, cause us to ask ourselves is when are we finally willing to surrender to God's way for our life? When are we finally willing to obey as God prescribes uh, for us? When are we finally willing to say, okay, God, uh, I, am, I am in need of your leadership in my life. Uh, me leading myself, uh, that is not working out so well. And so at what point do we tap out? So just consider that a question for yourself as you uh, listen in this morning, as we go through this teaching and reflect on these stories of Jacob and Joseph. Think about in your own life, um, maybe times in the past when you've come to that moment and you said, okay, God, I'm ready to tap out. I'm, I am uh, tired of trying to, to win this wrestling match. Uh, I am tired of uh, fighting against you. Uh, I, am, I am willing to, you know, to fall into line, to do things your way, to, to taste and see whether or not you are good, your ways are good. So uh, keep that in mind as we uh, go through this story. So uh, Jacob starts out in uh, really uh, uh, a difficult situation. Uh, he, because of how he comes out of the womb with his twin brother uh, Esau, uh, he is. It appears, anyways, that he is actually grabbing the heel of Esau. Esau was born first, and so he um, becomes, you know, the the firstborn. He has the firstborn status, and so and he's going to get a double share of the inheritance, and and uh, he's going to be the uh, you know the next patriarch of the family. So all of these uh, you know privileges 
come to Esau simply because he was first out of the womb, uh, but because Jacob is, um, is coming out of the womb, grabbing his brother's heel, they, they actually name him heel grabber, Jacob. He's a heel grabber. And uh, interestingly enough, and the author points this out, uh, the, uh, the word Jacob, the word for heel grabber was um, very similar phonically to uh, the word deceiver. And so uh, Jacob just starts off with, with a poor name. It would be like a parent uh, naming their child Dip. And if, you, know, you could think of a variety of, uh, of things to add on to that, like um, Dip stick for example and uh, so you know you wouldn't want to go through life with the name dip so jacob gets this this uh you know just really raw deal at the very beginning with his name and the reason the author points this out makes this very clear is because jacob actually be, uh, fulfills the meaning of his name in the way that he decides to live so uh, he actually becomes a deceiver uh, by, first of all, deceiving his older brother out of his birthright. So he finds his uh, brother in a very uh, weak moment of exhaustion and offers him food in exchange for his birthright. And then uh, the second thing he does is he actually, in order to receive this uh, prophetic blessing uh, that had uh, become uh, traditional, uh, so in order to receive this prophetic blessing, in order to uh, be the person that the covenant uh, that God has established with Abraham is passed down to, in order to receive that blessing, uh, the blessing that should have rightfully gone to Esau, but in order to receive that, you know, Jacob um, dresses up like his brother Esau, and he puts stuff on him so that he smells like his brother Esau. And the reason he does this is so that he can go in and deceive his blind father into thinking that he is Esau. I think he must have also had some serious hearing problems as well, or he didn't spend very much time with his sons because he couldn't seem to identify the, the variants in their voices. Or perhaps Jacob had worked on impersonating Esau and was very good at impersonating his voice. And so he'd been working at this skill of deceiving for quite some time. Uh, obviously, it was part of his personality and character, but God does something incredible with Jacob. God sends Jacob to the school of consequences. He sends him uh, away from his family. Uh, he's, he's excommunicated from his family because now Esau wants to uh, to murder him because he's he's done these things he's deceived and stolen these things from him and so he runs off to his um, to his uncle's house Laban and uh, it just so happens and, and God often ironically does this in our lives but it just so happens that Laban is quite a deceiver himself and so he ends up getting uh, seven years of uh, free labor from Jacob uh, because of how he manipulates Jacob's desire to have uh, one of his daughters as his wife. And so uh, Laban ends up deceiving Jacob in a significant way. And so it's sort of this ironic payback. And so all of this time, God is working in Jacob's life to help him understand the consequences, uh, the, the negative payout of living that kind of life. And so uh, we come to this moment in Jacob's life, this this um, tipping point, seminal moment 
where Jacob ends up in a wrestling match with God. And so I'm going to read uh, a passage of scripture that is part of that description. This is in Genesis chapter 32 and starting in verse uh, 24. Uh, he's getting ready to meet Esau again. He's, he's running from Laban and his only place to go is to go back to his other family. And he knows uh, Esau is there potentially waiting to kill him as soon as he sees him. And so he's sent all of these gifts ahead. He's sent um, all of his belongings, all of his family ahead. And he is last and he's on the other side of um, the Jabbok River. And he is uh, there alone in his camp. And that's where we pick up the story. Genesis chapter 22 and starting in verse 24, it says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came, we find out later this is God, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. So this is an all-night wrestling match, the ultimate wrestling match. Um, <clears throat> it says, When the man saw that he would not win the match, obviously God could have won the match, but uh, when he, so we're saying here, um, when he sees that Jacob is, is persistent, is incredibly persistent, this is what he does. It says the man touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. So a uh, significant thing. Obviously, if, if um, this man has the power to just touch Jacob's hip, hip and wrench it out of socket, he could obviously win the actual wrestling match. But, so he's, he's just seen Jacob's incredible persistence here. And uh, then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob is being absolutely persistent in this wrestling match. He, he knows that he is utterly helpless without the blessing and favor of God upon him. He knows that he is completely defenseless unless God is the one defending him. And so he is determined at all costs to to hold on to God until God um, assures him that he will be protected, that he will be provided for, that he will be blessed. And so uh, God seeing this, seeing this persistence, seeing this heart change in Jacob has this uh, interaction with him. Uh, he says, what is your name? And Jacob replies, Jacob. And then this is what God says to Jacob, your, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And so God does finally bless Jacob. He renames him. He gives him a new identity. He gives him a new calling. He gives him a new future uh, by um, naming him Israel, overcomer or one who contends with God, and, and we're not talking about somebody who rebels with God or rebels against God, but somebody who, who uh, intercedes with God, who is persistent, who, who endures in their, their intercession with God and, and um, wins the heart of God uh, by, by doing that so intensely and so persistently and with such humility, having gone through uh, the incredible things that Jacob has gone through this this character school. So that's Jacob. And that is the, the uh, tipping point in his life where he begins to live in a way that honors God. But he doesn't get it perfect right away as is 
often the case with us. Usually, maybe we could say always the case with us. We don't get it all right, uh, right away. And so uh, we see that uh, Jacob continues to make a variety of mistakes as he now parents. One of the really uh, dramatic mistakes he makes, it, it would seem uh, incredibly obvious to us um, looking at what Jacob did. Uh, he decides to outwardly, explicitly, in the most tangible and, and in-your-face way, favor uh, one of his sons over his other sons. It was fairly common in these days to favor your firstborn. I mean, they got a double share of the inheritance. They were going to be, you know, uh, the next patriarch. And that, and that meant they were going to have authority over their family. They were going to have authority over their brothers. I mean, you know, every family was like a miniature monarchy, right? And so um, if you weren't the firstborn, you might become a crown prince, but you were never going to become the king. The king was always going to have um, preeminence and authority over you. So, you know, if you were a younger brother, you were, you were uh, just, you know, not ever going to get to um, uh, a good place or a good status, at least within your family. You're never going to uh, get to a place of highest authority. That position was already taken by the firstborn. But Jacob decides to favor Joseph. Jacob has two wives, one uh, that he um, learns to love and another wife that he uh, doesn't have to learn to love. Uh, a, a, a wife that he um, just is, is all about and all for. And even though uh, Leah, his, his other wife, has had um, a variety of sons and uh, they are all older than Joseph, uh, he prefers Rachel. And so he wants to make it clear to everybody in his family, to all of his servants, to the culture, to the, to the people around him, that Joseph is his selected crown prince. So uh, he is going against the ways of uh, the traditional ways of that culture. He is uh, establishing this younger son as the crown prince, the one who is going to take his throne as patriarch. And so just imagine for, um, for a moment that in your family, if you had brothers and sisters, imagine if your parents had uh, come to, say, your, your uh, sibling and said, you know what, um, or, or come to your whole family and said, you know what, we are going to buy this one individual, this, uh, this one child a, a brand new vehicle, but uh, we're not going to buy a brand new vehicle for uh, you other children. I'm sorry, but you're out. Uh, and the reason we're buying this brand new vehicle for this one particular child is because they are our favorite and uh, we're going to bless them and honor them above the rest of you. I mean, just imagine how that kind of uh, scenario might work out in real life these days. It, 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 you know, this is an example of, of uh, some of the worst parenting in history. This is one of the worst moves you could possibly make. And so this is the environment that Joseph is born into and the way that he is raised. Uh, he uh, walks around proudly uh, with this, uh, this coat of many colors. Uh, he is 
you know, he's, he's got to be somewhat full of himself, right? And so he's walking around with this coat of many colors and, and um, he is actually given visions by God. Uh, so uh, God is moving in this situation as well, certainly testing Joseph as to how he's going to respond to uh, this, this favor and blessing bestowed on him, not just by his father Jacob, but also by uh, God the Father. And so what Joseph ends up doing is he ends up um, bragging to his family, to his brothers, uh, about uh, all the favor that has been bestowed upon him. He ends up uh, telling them about these visions that God has given him, where uh, not just uh, Joseph's older brothers, but also Joseph's own parents, uh, Jacob and Rachel, are going to be bowing down to him. Now, imagine, especially those of you who are older siblings, imagine uh, one of your uh, younger siblings, maybe even the, uh, the youngest sibling, uh, maybe the baby of the family. Uh, the baby of the family, by the way, always gets a bad rap, and uh, I think that's completely, completely invalid. Um, I think it's, it's uh, clear that those who are born last in a family, are, you know, statistically and, and pretty much in every way that I'm aware of, definitely turn out to be the very best. And so uh, I, I'm not sure why uh, the babies of the family get such a bad rap. I think, you know, the older siblings are, are pretty much just jealous of um, the child that comes last, the child that comes last gets to see uh, all of the older, uh, older siblings' mistakes and learn from them. And uh, so generally they're, they're more wise, they're better looking, um, they, uh, they're, just, they're smarter, more athletic. Um, the, the, the last child is, is uh, you know, that's where it's at. So um, except for uh, this case where Joseph... Um, begins to kind of rub his older sibling's face in the ground. And so imagine if your youngest sibling, you know, walked around the house saying, you know, one day you're going to serve me. One day I'm going to rule over you. Well, that probably wouldn't go so well. You can imagine how a variety of fights might uh, break out as a result of that. Um, if you know the story from Genesis, and by the way, these are just teasers that I'm giving you. I'm hoping that you'll be intrigued by um, hearing parts of these uh, stories, and you'll go into Genesis, and you'll read them for yourselves. Uh, there's so much that I'm not covering, so many amazing things that, that God is doing, ways He's working in their lives that, that I'm not covering. So I would encourage you to read these stories in the book of Genesis. It's, uh, it's an incredible book. So um, what Joseph's older brothers end up doing, they, they certainly uh, want him out of the family. They want him gone. They want him excommunicated. They want him out of their presence. They never want to see him again. They hatch a plan to murder him. But uh, one of the brothers has a little bit of wisdom and says, well, instead of murdering him, why don't we sell him uh, into slavery because uh, then that'll you know he'll be tortured for the rest of his life that'll be bad for him we'll get a little money from it so that'll be good for us and um, you know that's a better solution so they sell him into slavery uh, he ends up uh, working his himself up through the ranks but then he is uh, 
is uh, unjustly and falsely accused of um, raping his master's wife or attempting to rape her. And so he is sent into prison and you know, God is just taking him through this character school. God is teaching Joseph humility. God is teaching Joseph that God is in control of his life, that uh, these visions need to be, that these visions and dreams that Joseph was given need to be understood and pursued on God's terms, not on Joseph's terms. And so God is taking Joseph through this character school and he is teaching him uh, that that he has uh, an incredible plan for his life, but he's going to have to do it God's way and do it in God's timing. And so uh, Joseph is in prison. He, again, works himself up to, to uh, be in a, a position of, um, of um, higher service within the prison system, and he ends up being given additional visions by God to explain uh, the dreams of these two prisoners. And, and uh, those two prisoners go on and, and get out of prison. Their, the dreams, the visions uh, come true just as Joseph has predicted, but they forget about him. And so uh, even though Joseph has uh, you know, had this interaction with God and God is using him in this incredible way, Joseph is still forced to to wait, to wait, to wait for God's uh, ultimate um, fulfillment of these dreams. So, and, and then there's finally that moment where he is brought before uh, Pharaoh to be able to interpret, uh, interpret Pharaoh's dream about an upcoming seven-year famine. And uh, he presents a plan to Pharaoh to... Uh, to save the nation of Egypt and the surrounding nations from this famine. And Pharaoh appoints him as prime minister over Egypt. He goes from, from slavery to prisoner to prime minister. So if God has given you a dream or a vision for something that he, he has for you and you're, you're in a place and you just think, I am, I am as far away from that dream or vision that I could be. Um, don't ever count God out. If God has given you that dream, if he has planted that thing in your heart, don't ever count him out. He can bring Joseph from, from the prison to the prime minister's office in a flash. And so he can bring you and I into the dreams and visions that he has given us. Um, Genesis 50. And starting in verse 19. There is this moment where we see that Joseph has come full circle, where Joseph is no longer boasting about his greatness, and he is now boasting about God's greatness. So uh, Jacob and his brothers have come to the land of Egypt. They've been given a separate uh, area to keep their herds and uh, things have been going well, but Jacob dies. And Joseph's brothers are now in significant fear because Joseph, all he has to do is snap his fingers and he can order the execution of all of his brothers. And certainly he has the right to do that. Certainly he has the reason to do that. And it would not have been uh, looked down on by anybody if Joseph would have said, you know what, these guys tried to murder me, they sold me into slavery, and it is time for justice to um, 
be dealt out to these guys. And so uh, Joseph would have been completely within his rights. He has complete moral grounds to order the execution of his brothers. And so his brothers are very nervous. They come to Joseph and they plead their case. This is his response in verse 19, chapter 50. Don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. And so we see Joseph come full circle and he recognizes that this is God's story. This is not his story. And so he humbly responds to them, listen, I'm going to leave justice. I'm going to leave vengeance up to God. Uh, I am going to be the person of grace. I'm going to be the person of humility here. I'm going to be the person who understands that this, this is about God's story. This was his intention all along. I've seen him um, weaving the pattern of my life into this perfect tapestry. I understand it. I can see it. And therefore, I'm going to respond out of love and grace. I'm going to, I'm going to be kind to you and make sure that, that you are well uh, taken care of. So, God is uh, directing our lives so that our character reflects His. God is directing our lives so that our character ends up reflecting His. And that's what we see uh, in this final scene with Joseph and his brother. We see Joseph being a son of Israel, a son of somebody who has interceded with God to have a blessing on their life, the blessing of internal transformation and the blessing of external protection and, and provision. And so God is directing our lives so that our character reflects His. These are the ways He transforms us. This is a short list, but He transforms us through visions and dreams, consequences, good decisions, bad decisions, circumstances, opportunities, tests of various kinds, and best of all, wrestling matches. So uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and starting in verse 5 it says, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. 
So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So, at what point are you and I willing to tap out? Okay, God, living my way is not taking me to the place I want to go. Um, Living my way leads me into situations that are unfulfilling, not gratifying, um, things that are destructive, things that get me into trouble, lead me into negative consequences. So, Father, I'm tapping out. Um, I want to do things your way. I want my character to reflect your character. So. At what point are you and I willing to surrender ourselves to trust fully in God's plan for our lives and give ourselves fully to Him? So, that's the question for today. Um, Are we ready to to tap out and say, God, I'm all yours, Um, and to change the, the way in which we wrestle with God, to change our efforts of wrestling with God to to convincing God fully that we really can't function without His blessing and favor and provision on our lives, that we are completely dependent upon Him. When we pray persistently with humility, when we seek the face of God, when we seek him in our lives, that is when we enter into uh, His blessing and favor and provision and protection. So, if right now you're in the middle of God's school of discipline, if right now things are um, not going well for you, if right now you're in the middle of a trial, then I would challenge you to consider it pure joy knowing that this is an opportunity for you to grow, knowing that God loves you and that is the reason He is disciplining you and bringing you through, bringing you into difficult times. Because God's ultimate desire is not for you to uh, just live in happy bliss, but for your character to be refined and changed so that your character reflects His character. And God knows that sometimes we need to go through some painful, sometimes very painful situations and scenarios in order for us to change the way that we operate in life. So if that is the case for you, I pray that God would help you consider it an opportunity for growth. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we ask that you would increase our faith. Uh, Lord, that you would help us uh, surrender early and often to your will and to your way. And Father, that our wrestling with you uh, would be a type of wrestling that proclaims our complete dependence upon you for our protection, our provision, and our transformation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, um, we're going to just transition to a time of worship. And so I would encourage you to uh, join with us now in worship. Have a... um, 
wonderful day uh, following our, our time of worship. So good to see you guys. Thank you again for listening. It is a joy to be able to share God's truth with you. Hopefully you found this teaching helpful to your understanding of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's world. And hopefully you are inspired to take a further step of faith. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you continue your journey. If you live in the Anchorage area, you are welcome to join us any Sunday. And we have an Awaken 101 event every six weeks. And this is also a great way to find out more about our church. Please sign up for that event by going to the events tab at our website, awakenalaska.com, and looking for Awaken 101. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, and we will see you next week.